Hello, welcome to Sex Gen and our part three with Lee. <laughs> no, so that rhymed. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you're here. Um, Lee, introduce yourself, um, say a little bit. Yeah, so I'm Lee. I use they, them pronouns, and uh, I'm non binary. I, uh, I live in the UK, obviously, if the accent wasn't a giveaway. <laughs> Uh, I um, don't really know what else to oh oh so uh, I'm a woodworker and I um, uh, I, I, I make wooden spoons and wooden jewelry and um, I also work in marketing as that's the thing that keeps the bills yes. uh, paid um, but yeah um, I do class myself as a lesbian although a lot of people have issue with uh, non-binary people using the term lesbian because um, it is traditionally a word that describes women who love women however if a label is fitting for you and you like it use it yes no I think that that's I think that that's one of the things that I'm starting to broach more and more in my practice is that people are very uncomfortable with giving like they're like but this is who I am and and just because I've moved into the non-binary space like I I still connect with this and so no I think that's something that I'm discussing more and more also yeah I find that's one that's actually one that a, a point that came up very early in my journey as I've I've known that I've been non-binary my whole life um I never had a word for it yes um I just knew that there was more to me than uh male or female and um so I've only come out in the last year so I've actually only been out officially I suppose um probably since uh maybe almost a year now maybe nine months um mm -hmm. and when I say officially what I mean is I told friends first, very close friends. Then I started to tell family and then I changed over all my social media and I've just started telling people at work um, and requesting. Um, I actually found out yesterday that MasterCard make a, an actual credit card that you can have a chosen name on now for trans and non-binary people. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Are you serious? I, yeah, I saw it on TikTok yesterday, so it must be true, right? Um, but I <laughs> but yeah, apparently it was actually a MasterCard advert in America, mind. I don't know if it's in the UK yet, but it was an American advert that this uh trans group that I follow uh showed um that MasterCard actually understanding that there are people that may be trans that haven't actually legally changed their documents yet but because especially in this country you have to live as your chosen identity for a while before you're actually allowed to physically transition psychologically yeah. you have to go through um, a certain amount of assessment before you do any surgeries and things like that so to have that ability I'm going to be looking into that believe me um, that's awesome yeah. So I've literally I'm crossing bridges all the time with coming out. I found that this is actually far more complicated than coming out as gay. Um, right. Right. Because when it comes to coming out as gay, that's only really someone's business if it's about, well, am I going to sleep with you or am I not going to sleep with you? You know, that really isn't anybody in the pub's business or someone in the you know, post office or the bank's business who you sleep with. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to identity specifically, especially with the trans community, and I, trans is a word that I'm struggling to use, but that I'm trying to accept as mine once I understood really? what it meant. Yeah. Um, so when I understood that the word cis that we see a lot floating about 
CIS, it, it and and the word trans, T R I N T A N T T I can't spell T trans T R A N S. A little bit dyslexic. Yeah. I can't see the word. Um, those are actually Latin terms. So cis literally means this side, and trans means the other side. So it's literally when I started to understand that, I was like, okay. Now I sort of understand why, but in my brain, in my programming, through my socializing throughout when I was young and whatever in society that I live in, I was programmed to believe that trans meant binary. So it meant that if you called yourself trans, you were transitioning to the binary, to the other, other side of the binary. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's not uh, what I am. No. Um, and so there are, there are other layers to it when you're coming out as your identity. So you have to, somebody actually yesterday said to me, how do you choose between your identity and a job that you really want that refuses to recognize it? Good question. Because we have to be, as as non-binary people, I've discovered we actually have to be um, educators as well as who we are. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, unfortunately it's in the job description you are going to have to educate everybody around you as to why or what or how they speak to you and because we're programmed in western society at least in the uk and america is the only ones we can speak of um that there is mr mrs ma'am sir he him she her that's it that's it there's mm-hmm. no, from birth, there's no other option. You don't see Disney non-binary princesses, do you? No, because they don't exist in the world that they want you to see. And that erasure of the existence of people, anybody, not just non-binary, but anybody that lives outside of that binary, is is uh, the first shackle you have to throw off. You know, and... It can be very difficult to have self-acceptance when you see very little of yourself out there around you. You know, if you don't live in a like I used to live in London, I was born in London. Uh So and although I was born in London, the liberty of a beautiful, eclectic city was 20 minutes train ride away because London is a massive city. You can say you live in, it's a bit like when people say they live in New York City. They could live about half an hour from the actual New York that we all know, right? And all the lights and the taxis, yeah? But they still call themselves a New Yorker, which they rightly should. And I still call myself a Londoner, even though I lived about a 20-minute train ride from the centre. So where I lived, I never saw another gay person. There, There were no gay clubs. There were no gay support groups there was no there was nothing zero so there was definitely no trans there was definitely no non-binary correct and then when you look at uh, I'm going to go up to about age 20 there were no magazines there were no tv shows there were no radio shows there was maybe one or two characters in a show that might come out as gay but firstly if you're a gay character you're going to die if you're in a movie, if you're black or you're a gay character in a movie or a TV show, you're going to get the first bullet. That's just how films are made. Yeah. And if you're trans, you're going to make people sick. You're going to physically make them sick. That's what that in media teaches young people like myself. 
when I was young. I'm not young now, but when I was. Yeah. So I learned that it would be better to be a butch gay person than it would to be what I really was because um, that was less disgusting to the outside world. Uh, yeah. And it feels like sometimes other than just being the educator, like I was saying to this person yesterday, as well as being the educator in that position where you've got to go, okay, so my pronouns are they, them? And the person will usually say, oh, I can't do that. Then you've got to go through the whole thing of explaining. Yeah. You do it all the time. You just don't realize you do. Um, yeah. Um, and, and then you also have to do the non-threatening thing and remind them that my existence doesn't devalue their structure of society. Oh, yes. See? So you're actually shrinking yourself at the same time as bringing yourself up. So it can be a real roller coaster almost every single day, you know, where you're constantly coming out. You know, today I used a, a loyalty card um, that had a different name on it than my credit card. Because when I started the loyalty card, I didn't have to produce ID. So I used my chosen name of Lee. And she hesitated for a nanosecond. Like it, no one in the queue or behind me would have noticed, but I noticed. Because mm-hmm. it was the flick of the, like, what the? I noticed. And I don't know if it's because I was looking. And I was ready with the explanation. See? I'm ready. And that that whole I kind of for for a while before I came out, I was resentful of that effort that I had to do. I was resentful of the fact that I had to justify my existence and then educate everybody else and then make it safe and okay for them to be, oh, well, I don't understand this. And, you know, and give them grace and give them comfort when it should be the other way around in my eyes. Um, And I've been told in other societies it is the other way around. You know, people like me are revered in in Native American um, cultures, for instance, First Nation cultures, revere people who, uh, especially in in America, the First Nations call them two-spirited. And they are people that have deemed to understand both binaries and then live in a different third, fourth, fifth area of gender. So they are people that would be given, you know, sage status you know um and 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 often would be people that people would go to for advice given that they would had a broader understanding of the world because of their resistance and I absolutely connect with that 100 I'm not in the slightest um you know uh uh taking the the culture and and appropriating it for myself because I don't call myself too spirit because I'm not remotely Native American but the the fact is their theory on it and Polynesian thinking too Polynesian thinking, you know, you look at like um, Samoans and 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 even like um, the Maoris in, in New Zealand, they all had respect for and understanding of the fact that there is more than man and woman. Yes. It's Western yeah. culture that does this. Yeah, I was about to white say. People. It's white people. It's white people. It's white people. <laughs> it's that fear of any any diversity. From- I think it's more than fear. I think it's actually a deliberate control and strangling of anything else. No, I think so. I do think so. But I I think that if, if, if anyway, that's a whole nother conversation, but if they recognize it at all, you know, then they could be healthy and grow 
and that system may work and that my system may function and that may not match up with the way that they feel systems should work. And, and it becomes this thing. So it's better just to squash it into, you know, that. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It all ties into a patriarchal system where, you know, men men are, are, are raised above women deliberately. They've been elevated deliberately by white Western culture and the church. Unfortunately, religion has a lot to do with it. Um, and um, and actually, there's a lot of um, history that we, that we won't go into now, but people can look up, you know, LGBT history and trans history and understand that um, this is a resurgence of something that you can't kill. You, it's taken hundreds of years, but but we are starting to find our voices and find our places back in society where we should have been all along. Correct. Um, so it's it's but for but for I'm 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 living my 46th year. It's taken this long for me to shake off that, you know, um, binding of my of my personality, of myself, of my being, of my identity. You know, trying to squash yourself. I I said it last year that I I spent thirty years in gender jail, and I I can't get away from that phrase because it feels like that. It yeah. feels like I was I wasn't in prison, but I was imprisoned in a female identity that didn't fit me. I felt this this uh, dishonest all the time, all the time. So it felt like dishonest when I was with women only. So if I was I played a lot of sport when I was younger and being in, you know, obviously women only teams and, and then change rooms and stuff. That was never an issue because that wasn't necessarily about. Um, I was always self-conscious anyway, because of my body. Um, and I think everybody in those situations are. Um, I was lucky enough to play um, in Europe a few times um, in tournaments and being around uh, women of other countries especially as the British can be quite um rigid and quite prudish when it comes to nudity for instance when you go to Germany or or Holland or somewhere like that and the, the women have open showers no doors on them and they're all just boobs out everything else, because they don't care because no they know that it's not about sex it's about bathing yeah so or it's about sport or it's about massage or it's about sauna it's about whatever you're there for um and there isn't a prudishness about sex. If you, someone looks at it in the mind, you go, that's a compliment. It's not a, oh, God, someone's looking at me, which is what English is. English people are, oh, no, no, can't look at me, no. No, don't look at me, no. It's, it's, um, it's it, that culture itself, the English culture itself, is, is something that is another barrier to someone like me to, to feel comfortable in my own skin. So that was another thing I had I'm having to work through is my own internalized prudishness in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, and an and uncomfortableness. When we talked before we started recording this about uh, we said one of the things was about uh, body dysmorphia and, mm -hmm. and um, that. You see, there's there's a there's a couple of elements to that, um, because I I'm I'm not my body is is not necessarily a problem except for my chest so gender dys dysphoria yeah so it's yeah. well but yes, yes. And i know because this is the thing this is where it gets muddy and and i'm really not an expert on it and literally i'm a child i'm learning this very very you know i'm very very um 
uh, naive a lot in, a lot still. Um, but the difference being that um, the, the small fear itself is definitely centered just around my breasts mm-hmm. because I don't want to change any other part of my body. Like the rest of my body, I, I, I'm i literally, I, I used to say I can live with it, but I don't mean that because that kind of means that I'm just settling for what it is. But it actually doesn't bother me. I don't envy male bodies and I definitely don't envy female bodies. What I want is something that exists in the middle as a completely androgynous. And so f- whenever I hear that is someone who you know, councils in the gender community, like I, that does to me says that says, okay, it is connected to the gender identity because eliminating this, the chest helps you navigate more to the middle where you're actually comfortable with. And so, I, so I the body dysmorphia I, is about my chest. The gender dysphoria is about not being seen and not being able to present as I want to. So I'm not being seen as high as I want to be and I'm not presenting as I want to be. That's how I look at it. Now that may be wrong, may not, but it may change. But well, it's you, this is you, this is your story. And I think that it does make sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, to me, the gender dysphoria is, is about the chest because that part of your body prevents you from being seen as non-binary. And so for you, there is an issue with the chest. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And so it, but I, I think it and actually all... my, my stepmother said the same thing. She said, actually, when I came up to her, she said um, that she could see how my chest would push me too far over into the female binary. Yes. Um, and it does um, topples me over to that point. I definitely don't have any penis envy. So it's not like Correct. it's, you know, and I, I am fairly masculine in the sense that I have lots of body hair. I have a fairly deep voice and 25 years of cigarettes will do that. And, you know, and my mannerisms and my activities are anything but, but, but gentle and feminine. And what we would traditionally call, see, this is where we get into a little bit of a dangerous area where I've corrected people before is we actually assign gender to things that don't need to be gendered. Like, Oh, effeminate stuff is all girly. And, tools and you know butch things are manly and we do that ourselves that's not a the reality it's a but, social exactly social, social identifying social. masculine and feminine exactly thing. but at the same time I have to recognize in myself that I don't um I don't gravitate towards what are traditionally considered female things so I don't like pink dresses makeup nail hairs all that stuff none of that's ever rung a bell for me it's never turned me on it's never it's in fact it does the opposite to me um to the point where i i actually had to sit the children down uh, they are not children anymore they're teenagers but and say they're not mine they're my sisters but and to say um can you stop making the joke that you make that you find so so funny remember this yeah about putting me in a dress and how much fun that would be for you to see me in a dress because what you're describing is my idea of hell so while you're reveling and you're giggling and laughing at how stupid I look I feel sick yeah and they're like oh because kids don't want to hurt you it's not funny if you're not actually taking part in the making yeah mickey taking you know um so they've stopped doing that 
um and they and and although we don't see a lot of each other now because of pandemic it's just been ridiculous lockdown after lockdown so we haven't really tested it but at the same time they're aware enough and young enough to understand the society that they're growing around that when an adult or anybody that they know that doesn't present in the binary as straight and in the binary that they deserve more ears this is the difference with gen z this year and the 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 next generation the younger ones than gen z are they already know at an age where I had to learn it in my 20 or 30s that there are more options than male, female heterosexuals. Correct. They know that much, much younger than we did. Um, and they're actually more accepting of it than than any generation because of that, because it's they're, they're exposed to it younger, as they should be. Whenever people say, oh, well, you can't, you can't teach that in schools. You can't, you can't teach gay things and trans things in schools. No, but you can teach them that girls like pink and boys like blue and that you know four-year-olds can have a boyfriend and oh you're getting married to you what yeah where's your prince charming when you're six years old why are you sexualizing six-year-old yeah but you can't tell them they can be trans at six make your mind up which is it well and that's one of the ones that's now becoming very obvious you know people are saying wait a minute but this is you are it's okay to teach this but you won't teach that as far as like sex, sex education it is terrible in the school systems for any of the queer community you know and that is really hard because they're not teaching them how to have safe sex as gay individuals and and you know I I don't know. That's like a thing that like I get on it. it, it, Yeah, it really winds me up because I grew up in the AIDS epidemic. So I was at school um, in the um, in the the late 80s, early 90s. I I think I left school in 93, 94, something like that. I graduated. Yeah. yeah. So um, so we grew up with the, you know, the AIDS epidemic happening. But in the UK, up until um, I forget the year, but I remember protesting it. um, It was actually illegal. They actually passed a law to make it illegal to discuss gay sex in sex education. And it was called Section 28, I believe. I'm sorry to anyone that's listening if I've got that wrong. It's a long time ago and I can't remember. Um, But I actually protested that one because um, and and the equal there was actually a disparity in the um, age of consent as well. For men, it was 21 after it was decriminalized in the 60s, 70s. 70s I think um it was decriminalized because it was against the law up until that point um there was never a lesbian law because Queen Victoria didn't believe that they existed so there was never yes, a law against I didn't that. that so but the the so with the decriminalization of of homosexuality they then were still paranoid about men and little boys um when it has always been about paedophilia it's never been about gay men at all um but we'll go on to that another day um but that so they I also protested the the equalizing of the age of consent because it was 16 for girls and boys and 21 for gay men. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah so, we will have to put that on another one because that would yeah, so that's... the age of consent and the whole disparity in that, you know, in and then when you add on to it, I want to circle back just very quickly to something that I only touched on, which again is another whole podcast that other people have done much better than myself is about the image of trans and 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 the trans spectrum in media and how it's portrayed to young queers Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know that I I haven't realized until my older years my 30s and 40s just how 
sparse. Anything that looked like a hero was for me. And then when there was a hero, if there was a transsexual or a a lesbian or a gay man, they were stereotypical. Mm -hmm. They were always the butt of all the jokes. And I always find it fascinating that in a long-running TV series like Friends, they could gather five or six people together and not one of them was either black or indigenous or gay. Right. Not yet. Nobody said anything. In New York. Right. No. No, I thought the same thing about that show. You know, I was like, really? Don't get me wrong. It was funny. No, it's fabulous. I love that show. But it's it's a very white, cishet show. It really is. So, yeah. There's a a Netflix uh, special on, I hope it's still running now, about... um, uh, that's that talks to trans actresses and actresses who um explain a lot of the um I'm going to call it propaganda because that's what it was to me it was training people to believe that um uh, women trans women were um disgusting and that they could only be jokes and they could only be made fun of and they could only be disgusted at mm-hmm. um that what, when I watched that documentary, I realized just how much programming had gone in before I was even sexually active as a child. You know, even right back to, you know, um, 40s and 50s comedies where cross-dressing was common, very common, especially during the Second World War, where um, often, you know, men were deployed for years on end. And yeah. they the only, you know, <laughs> often they'd be conscripted and they'd be you know, artsy fartsy, you know, theatre lovies who were no no right being in a uniform. They probably pass it, you know, not even you know wanted to hold a gun, but they would then end up in the entertainment unit of the army or whatever, and they would be cross dressing on stage, and that was all acceptable because because well, that's ent- considered performance. Yeah, right. It was entertainment, so that's okay. But only ever as never as the hero, never as the love interest, only ever as comedy. Only ever as the person who is the villain or disgusted at, yeah. so that everyone else could unite against, and that actually the for me changed when um, I was about I think I was about twenty, maybe twenty one, and I I heard of stories that came out about um, people who had been you know murdered. We weren't we weren't really getting much press on things like that in the UK um, in the 90s until the mid 90s, really. We started to open up our press a little bit more. We used to get a little bit more world news, for instance. And one of the things I always talk about is um, Boys Don't Cry. Because that movie, I mean, it's factually incorrect for a start because it misses out a very main character, which is the young... uh, I'm going to call him a man because he was a man. The young trans man at at the centre of it had a best friend who was black, who was also murdered at the same time. Completely void. Doesn't exist in the film. Completely void. And I was gutted when I saw the actual documentary that went along with the film because I was like, this is I I invested in this movie as finally being, okay. it's a very sad and tragic story because the poor guy dies and he's found out. But his initial story of romancing a female who believed that he was you know a, a male didn't know that he was transgender um resonated with me 100 percent because um 
being in relationships when you aren't being fully who you are, you're wearing a mask the whole time. So it, it so I because I was in relationships where I was a butch lesbian, I was a woman. I was identifying as a woman, a woman loving woman. And that was wrong because that's not who I am. But I had no language and I still really am struggling now. I'm in my 40s, struggling to find the language to fully explain who I am in a relationship then. So as a butch lesbian, it's very easy to take on a role. So, um, you know, there, there's so many labels and I, I really don't want to get tied up in all the labels, really more the roles that that kind of are given to you when there's no examples. So when there's no examples of gay relationships around you, you emulate the ones you see, which are straight. So you believe growing up as a young queer that you've got to either be a pillow princess, femi girl, or you've got to be a butch, almost man-like butch lesbian. And you, as a butch lesbian, can't be with another butch. You've got to go and find a femi girl to be with because that's emulating, in your psyche, that's emulating what's around you, right? And you don't even realize that you're really doing it, but that's what, that's the that's the road that you've seen kind of demonstrated. Right. And it actually is so damaging because not only does it perpetuate the idea that um, heterosexuality is the the aim, so even gays can do it, you know, one will play the girl and one will play the boy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's 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 damaging to our identity identity on uh, on the, on, the on another front because it meant that I spent years suffocating a huge part of me, suffocating the real me, and trying to squash myself even into that identity. Yes, and it developed as transphobia. So I became one of those turf lesbians that we absolutely detest now the transphobic radical feminists who um believed that had i been talking the way i do now absolutely i'm not girl or a boy if i'd said that when i was 10 if i was 10 now i would possibly be transitioned to a male in my brain when i was in my early 20s late night teens early 20s that's what i thought that trans people were trans men specifically were actually lesbians that had just been pushed to transition because they need to be transitioned. And there is a there is still to this day people in lesbians in the gay community who believe wholeheartedly that most trans men are actually just butch lesbians that are being transitioned. Um, but then I also felt like there was pressure from the trans community to make a make a decision, pick one, you know, and that none of those things are actual reality. They are the ideas of, 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 of first of all, you've got a marginalized part of community. Then you've got a sectioned off marginalized, marginalized community that's yes. then somehow is a louder voice than everything else going on in the world. You know, instead of actually the birth of the unit, I did a, you know, one of those put your finger down if you can remember dialogue, yes. blah, 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 right? <laughs> so I did one of them the other day, yesterday. And actually, I realized at that moment of explosion of the technology was the moment at which people like me and young people younger than me didn't have to do that anymore. Because we, we were like, well, this is your idea and that's your idea. But they're not the only ideas in the world because I can find another idea. 
right you know and that and the moment you start the moment I started doing that for myself instead of just accepting what was given to me and in a lot of ways it was about trying to find the path of least resistance in a sense that you already are resisted in society because you're not heterosexual you're you're also then marginalized in society because you don't fit into the gender role of a female that you were born into a female body so to then try and like it 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 feels like just swimming through molasses a lot of the time well um, yes yeah it is it is but, but i mean it it is not i didn't mean that in a negative way i mean it like you, it, there really are a lot of challenges yeah, that you there's have so to many there's so many elements to it to understand and to get other people to understand you and that circles back to what I was saying before about having to be an educator suddenly when I came out I was suddenly being asked questions I realized I didn't have the answer to not because I didn't have my answers to those questions because I did but I couldn't speak for the trans community I can't speak for non-binary community I and actually it was only very recently in therapy that I realized that I can't speak for anybody because actually especially in the trans and non-binary community there are so many different colors there are so many different flavors of us. There are so many people that have different, you know, it's like when you said in your live earlier, oh, and great, and you're both non-binary. That doesn't mean we're going to get on. <laughs> we will. Me, me and that person will get on because there's lots of other things as well. But that sentence stuck in my brain because that's something that has been said to me by, by helpful heterosexual people for a very long time. Oh, my friend's gay. Oh, you'll love him. Well, I, no, you're totally um, right. I didn't even realize I said that, but you're totally right. And that's just another example of something that would mess, maybe even can be considered by some, not in this situation, but in, by some as a microaggression, because it's it's not meant to be offensive. It's not meant to be binding as an uh, as as a boxing you off, mm-hmm. but it does. It does it, and we do it. it. We do it to each other, and we do it in our own community, and that's the worst part. So when I understood that I didn't have to, um, I wasn't self-betraying as somebody who loves women, who doesn't want to be a man, by rejecting the TERF's idea that actually, no, um, trans people are valid human beings in the sense that a trans woman is a woman and a trans man is a man. And actually, um, quite a few trans people that I've met technically are trans but they don't call themselves trans because especially I'm thinking specifically of two women that I met probably 15 years ago now and I knew for a couple of years at the end of their um uh, surgeries they both had top and bottom surgery and um they were women and it was if only if you looked very carefully you might see a scar where they'd had their um Adam's apple done or or, or you but you'd be struggled to notice and they didn't call themselves trans women they called themselves women and that was it period right so and they actually were the first startings I think of me opening my eyes and realizing that everything I'd ever been taught by magazines and newspapers by film by family by any books I'd ever come across if I'd ever had even the gay community itself even the lesbian community itself and the lack of non-binary people that I saw in that gay community in London meant that everything that I had to, that everything I was had to be suffocated and boxed off to something else because that wasn't right. 
you need to shave down the edges of that and fit in that box in order to make my life easier because this this is the thing that i've uh, uh, that always comes back to me is like why would you make your life harder <laughs> why would you do that i don't i don't have anybody that i work with that would willingly go through what they go through you know unless there was a reason for that that's the point is you have to yep this isn't about choice i don't have a choice anymore it was a case of I literally had a conversation with myself where I was like, you've done so much already for yourself in a sense of uh, I have got rid of a toxic parent that was one of the pinnacle problem, like the main centre of the, a lot of the problems I had in myself, in myself, like my being self. Yeah. And I've, I've overcome uh, narcotic addiction, alcohol addiction at five years free of cigarettes next month. And, yeah, I know. Right. And like I've reinvented myself in the last six years and started a whole new career from scratch. I've gone back to school and I've qualified. It's taken me longer than most people because I'm an adult and I'm a bit slower than others with writing stuff. But I got there and I got my qualification a couple of months ago and I'm now doing the job that I envisioned I could do. And when you sit there and you look at them things and you hear me say it now, you did it a couple of times, woo, woo, right? Well, that that whooping to me was like, yeah, but it's not real because you're not real. You're Still. not real. This was the conversation I had. So it's like you did all of that. You've overcome things that killed, literally killed your peers, drugs, alcohol, prison. You know, things like that. Things I've managed to, I've never been in prison, just to say. Uh, but like, <laughs> That's a clarifier. Uh, yeah, just to say, I've never been in prison. I know what criminal records. Um, but it, to do all of that is actually fantastic from the outside. But for me, laying there in my bed at three o'clock in the morning wasn't real because nobody really saw me because I was lying to everybody. Yeah. I was... I I was scared, to be honest. It was uh, I was scared of all of the things that I have had to do in the last nine months. And when I realised that it was fear that was stopping me, I got mad because because fear. I say this all the time. It is not a reason not to do something. That's an emotion. It's not a reason. It's not an excuse. It's not a reason not to do something. Now, I understand that there is fear of consequences. There is a fear of there is real fear of harm for me. Mm -hmm. I've been assaulted before. I know that it's possible that I could walk to the shops now and be assaulted by a stranger. It's happened to be before. So my brain knows. My PTSD knows mm -hmm. the vulnerability. And that ties into the why would I make myself a bigger target? by having my chest operated on, by insisting in public to strangers that they use the correct terms, which I haven't really got down yet. I kind of, I let it go. I let it go in the live today. I don't think you even noticed, but some, uh, one, uh, I can't remember who it was, called me ma'am and I let it go because, and I do that a lot actually, but I feel like giving people grace to do that and you know, it's picking your battles. So a good friend said to me um, about my father, because my father's struggling to accept who I am. He doesn't 
necessarily have a problem with the non-binary part, but he has a problem with the name. And I'm not really sure why. And I, I'm having dinner with him on Sunday and I'm hoping that I'm in a good enough headspace to broach the subject where it's just going to be me and, and me, him and his wife, um, which is a safe environment in their house, you know, to maybe bring it up and say, well, why do you, you know, flip the switch on him and ask him, you know, you lay on the couch. Let me ask you, where's this coming from? Because this isn't about name. This is just a name. You know, I'm not I'm not asking you to do anything, anything. Else. I'm not even asking you for the money for my top surgery, which I could do, which they could pay for, incidentally. But I'm not asking you to do that. All I'm asking you to do is to respect that I have chosen another name for myself and he can't do it. Can't do he it. Can. He can. At the moment. He, he but just he, but he won't. Yeah. He can, but he won't. And so, and that's, that's where you have to, cause whenever you do ask him, cause I think that's a good idea for you too. You know, I think that asking him what he needs to, to do to help move this in the direction of using the correct name, you know, and help you understand why he's not, he's not doing that. Yeah. I, I want him to understand why he's not doing that. I think it's more important for him to understand why he's got an objection to this. And more importantly, my point was going to be that the fact that, my friend said to me, it's okay for you to put him into a box for a minute. You know, it's okay for him to, he's not treating me differently, to be clear. He's not like, Correct. you know, I mean, he's, you not, said that. Yeah, he's being, he's, he's, he's up until this particular conflict, I would have called him one of my best friends. You know, we have we have built a very good relationship over the last seven years. It's been very hard. We came together in our maturity. We haven't historically been in each other's lives or been friends. So it's been a long, strong battle. But we've come to a point where we, we you know, he calls me almost every day. Yeah. You know, and he's actually noticing the distance and he's finding it difficult. And that's good because I want him to be uncomfortable because he created this distance. And that's me being a little bit passive aggressive, but also a little bit pick my battles because and this is what my friend said pick your battles is this a day where you want to correct him every time he speaks on the phone or where you just want to just let that that one time he slipped into your dead name and just listen to the rest of the conversation just put the phone down it's easier to do that than it is to hear all the sighs and the and then go into all of that and then you know then everybody's upset it it's another responsibility of me as well as having to educate, as well as having to give grace, as well as having to make myself a bigger target, make myself more subject to possibly abuse and have to educate people. I also have to decide when and when not to. When and when not to. Oh, because what you're saying. Okay, I see what you're saying. But the, see, I see that as setting boundaries for yourself. Well, that's basically what my friend was saying. Set a new boundary for him then. And that is that he is not going to call you Lee and you're going to have to accept it for the minute. And that's not an acceptance. That's for the minute. That's yep. just for now. While I'm trying to find my strength and my, you know, I'm a baby non-binary, you know, in real terms, although I've always been this person, I'm a baby non-binary. And so I'm finding and rolling through these things. I haven't legally changed my name yet. That's something that's probably going to happen by the end of the year, I hope. Um, and then. I have a GoFundMe for my chest and that's, you know, and actually I honestly think that they would back 
they would understand and they would get behind that. Um, so I'm I'm being okay. I'm I was mad for a long time. I was angry. Why can't you do this for me? It's just one thing. It's one thing. You accepted me when I was an addict. You accepted me when I was suicidal. You accepted me when I was actively alcoholic. When I was a gambler. And that was hard because I run up a lot of debt and he sorted me out and helped me. And, you know, there was lots of things I've got myself into through various traumas that I was externally doing all this stuff because of. They get to be the hero in that. Yeah. 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 They get to be the hero in that. And this, it, it is but very. The sticking point, this sticking point on, on, on my identity is not important. It's just. I'm obsessing about that one thing. And this is where my friend was like, well, that's why you're my best friend. Because the, you, you looked at the situation. You went, yeah, but you don't have to do. Why are you keeping yourself awake and making yourself upset? about it? You don't have to do that. You've got all these other things you've got to do, like the supermarket with a different name on it on the credit card. And like the person in the in the live earlier, you know, there are things every single day. Getting my hair cut today and then going into the store and being called sir, which I didn't correct. And then him going, oh, when he pulled up my details and went, and I was like, and I changed the subject to what we were talking about, which was my mobile phone carrier. Mm -hmm. And he let it go too. So he was relieved that he didn't have to apologize. But that's, again, educator, adult, parent in the situation. And if you do all the things that I've talked about that I've got to do, I didn't have to do when I came out as gay. Because half the people that I knew when I was like, I'm gay and they're like okay cool well we're not gonna sleep together so that's cool bump and that was the end of the conversation because it's not important anymore but when you have an identity thing it's a whole thing all the time you know and I really feel for youth non-binary youth because they're not mature enough to have to have to deal with this not that they can't but it's not fair that they're growing up in this society that is so so hard you know I I guess I agree. I do agree with you on the fact that it seems unfair. But I think that they also have this, um, this separation from the need to fit into a binary. And so where we wanted to fit into sexuality that is correct so that grandma and granddad didn't, you didn't have to have that conversation and, you know, you could have your partner, you know, at the house, you know, but you didn't have to talk to anybody about her. They could be your best friend or whatever, you know, but fitting into that was so much more important. And now the youth seems to be where they're like, wait a minute, it's more important for me to fit in with myself. And yeah, so and their peers, yeah. Than it is than it is for society. And I listening to what you're saying, I agree hundred percent. And then I was like, you mean we messed up society so much that they actually don't want to assimilate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> no, they're, like, they're like, no, no, I think I'll take the next bus. <laughs> We're just gonna make our own. Yours is no, yeah. yours is broken. Yours <laughs> is crap, man. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm just gonna get on this next bus. Yeah, no, no, no I agree. I, think I agree. So. They do have this, they do seem to have an irritating ability to just go, nah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, that's that's I'm I'm fascinated and kind of annoyed in some respects. I'm fascinated by them and I'm kind of annoyed that I'm going to age out and not see what they do 
in the next hundred years, you know, or the next 50 years. If I'm lucky, I'll get another 50 years. You know, like it's, it, 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 I'm kind of pissed off I won't get to see because I'm so curious and fascinated by this youth, this under the under 20s, you know, what they're going to do with this rejection of all the society that they're growing up within, you know, and the ability to to not be sucked into. I mean, a lot of them are, to be fair. Yeah. But but generally, as a mass, they're not. Um, and it it kind of it leads on like I was we're going to go back to talking about sex because they also have a different attitude towards um sexuality and and mm-hmm. sex in general, which I found fascinating. And actually it's quite funny because I'm 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 the aunt. I still call myself auntie because um I don't like the alternatives. And yeah. um and the kids are comfortable and I am, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and so, but I'm the auntie, like, and I've, I w- I've learned that role. I, w- I was taught that role actually by um, Jamaican community that I grew up around in South London. So I grew up with auntie and I won't do the accent because it pisses everybody off and I'm really bad at it. But I was, I was, <laughs> when you're around, that, when I'm around that community, I do talk patois or I do listen through, pat- I can understand it because I grew up around it. Yeah. you got to understand in South London, there were Hindis, there were, um, uh, Pakistanis and there were Jamaicans and and there, so there there were um, Indians, Pakistanis and 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 um, and and Jamaicans and white people obviously yeah. um, and and those were my peers and their parents were my protectors when I was at their houses or when I was at, you know so and they have this culture of specifically the uh, Jamaican community of auntie so auntie is like is anybody older than you uh-huh. like basically. And you respect them, period, like you just do. Now, I don't agree with everything in that culture because there's a lot of violence. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, toxic masculinity and um, toxic parenting. That's actually being addressed by the by the community themselves, policing mm-hmm. themselves and re-educating at the new community that are coming through, which I applaud 100%. Mm-hmm. But the actual theory of it takes a village meant that my role in my children's lives and the other people younger people than me i.e the hockey team that i coached a couple of years ago who were all um not preteen they were between the ages of 13 and 17 um they looked to me to be like how do we do this in our society so you've got you know they're they're curious about what i had because they're like Uh well we don't see it like that yeah if i like a girl now that's just I like a girl now. I'm like, well, do you put a label on it? And they're like, why? Why would I do that? That boxes me off. And actually had had the same conversation with a young American girl who's a daughter of a very good friend of mine. And, and she said, uh, when she was about 15, she said, um, well, I think I'm a lesbian, actually. And we were like, oh, yeah, why is that? Well, because boys are just gross. I'm never going to sleep with a boy. And I was like, be careful with the word never. Yeah, right. Because what you do when you use the word never is you actually create your own reality. And that could be a problem that you've then got to undo later. Mm -hmm. She's now with a boy. Yeah. Well, so two years later, she's now with a boy. And I, I like to think that that's partly because I let her say, yeah, boys are gross right now. That's cool. I back you up. You want to be lesbian right now? That's cool. Don't label it and don't use don't use the 
the boxing off terms and stuff if you don't want to like it's you should be able to express your sexuality however you feel comfortable to express your sexuality whatever that sexuality is they're teaching me that (laughs) well whenever um I've just recently kind of switched and I I've hired staff that works with the teens you know and the youngers but I've done that for years. And I think that one of the things that we worked on the most was and that they got the most frustrated with me was they were like, well, I'm demisexual, you know, arom, you know, like they come in with these lists and I'm like, really? Well, but tell me about yourself. And they would be like, no, I'm telling you my labels. Mm-hmm. And I don't, what your labels aren't what I'm counseling. You know, I understand that you need those labels because you feel like that's what you're clinging to. But I want to help you develop you, your humanness and whatever that turns into, whatever those labels look like, you know, down the road, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with any of it, but tell me what that looks like. What does it look like to be demisexual for you? Part of the problem is when you then get into it with teenagers is that because they're sexually, um, uh, 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 they're starting to sexually explore not only their own bodies, but other people's bodies and what that means to have sex with other people is that those labels enable them to hone in on possibly people that might find them attractive for those specific things. Mm-hmm. And that gives them comfort in a place in a society where they don't have elders to look to, to show them good quality examples of other things other than heterosexual or binary gay relationships. Because so, we're not allowed, yeah, to teach them. We're not showing them. No, we're not allowed to teach it. We're not allowed to show them that actually the labels are irrelevant. Who do you like? Who turns you on? Mm-hmm. Why do they turn you on? Right now, yeah. No, what do you what do you want from them sexually? What would you like? Who would you like to do it with? And what would you like to do? And explore that literal. So in auntie role, I'm one of the few adults circling back to what I was going to say, is that the one of the privileges, but kind of cringy at start when I was talking to some of my family teenage members uh, about sex, because strangely, family members, it's harder because I've changed their nappies. So it's weird. But like, you know, like um, it's is to is that I'm a safe adult to talk about literal sex. So then we start talking about sexual health. And we talk about, um, you know, they all know, especially the boys, um, that uh, uh, pregnancy prevention, for instance, is their responsibility, Mm -hmm. especially the boys. I've hammered that home to them, left, right and centre. I don't care what the girl says. It doesn't matter what she says. You wear a condom, period. There's no two ways about it. There is no other way unless you have done tests, unless you have been with that person for a certain amount of time. And even then, and we're not just talking. And this is when I say something, we're not just talking about pregnancy, guys. You know, it's it, the, the, the sexual health in this country is not great. Mm-mm. And actually, a lot of the straight sex is not, you know, that teenagers are having have gonorrhea, have like, you know, it's like. Why? Because they don't talk about it. Because they don't talk about it. Because if they feel like... Don't talk to them about it. Because they're not comfortable with it. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda. And I'm so pleased that you've been joining us on this journey um, with Lee. 
the non-binary journey and talking about families and about different dynamics, please join us for part four next week. We're going to get into some of the non-binary in relationships as far as intimacy and sex. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Melinda here aka sex gin <laughs> i would like to say a thank you for you being here it means so much to me and i love the fact that we're generating new conversations um, with humans about humans in the realm of sex and intimacy and that makes me really happy if any of these things have kind of set things into motion and you feel like you need to talk to someone remember that these are not therapy sessions so make sure that you reach out to someone in your local area if you are in texas and you would like to work with me in a professional setting then feel free you can reach out to me um, either on um, www mcpcounseling.com or um, sexgenchat.com. And also the podcast is sexgenchat. Um, and you can find those on Apple. Um, you can find them on most of them. You can also find me on Instagram, sexgenchats, and also Melinda C. Porter. And variety of different topics on both of them. You can also find me on TikTok. Love my TikTok fun time. Um, and that would be um, sex gen chats also. So please take care of you. And remember, you can claim today. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it provided some information for you. Please remember that this is not a therapy session, nor is it meant to provide therapy for anyone. Although I am a therapist, this is just generating a conversation and starting to understand the dynamics of sex and intimacy. If you have any questions or you feel like you're overwhelmed and need assistance, please make sure to reach out to your therapist or if you have a life or death fear, please make sure to call 911. Thank you so much for joining us and we see you next time on Sex Gen.